2: And welcome to welcome back to From Complex to Queens Amazing Avenue's minor Week Podcast. I am Steve Zipper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vallejos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. So how is everyone doing this week?
1: Okay. I'm doing well. How are you?
2: Uh, good. Um, we will start out with some promote extend trade. And on today's date, in 1888, so we're going a while back here, a gentleman by the name of George Edward Gouard, who was a good friend of Thomas Edison, he recorded a Handel libretto on one of Edison's phonograph cylinders. And basically, he um, made the earliest known complete recording of a musical composition. So basically, he recorded the world's first album.
1: So His mixtape was so fire.
2: Yo, I'm sure.
1: I mean, Literally you know, the have, hottest mixtape at the time.
2: Handel is, you
1: know, what a, what a guy he was. Dropping those, sick beats. Those it's clear man. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about.
2: But uh, in honor of that, we're going to keep it simple. Um, we're just going to promote, extend, or trade albums in our lives. So... Promote to be the ones that were as good as we thought they'd be. Extend are ones that were better than we thought they'd be. And trade are obviously ones that did not live up to uh, expectations. So who would like to go first, Lucas? I know since you are a, <laughs> uh, you know all about handle Sig beats.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, pun- you're probably the most
2: knowledgeable here.
1: See, the funny thing is, like I used to be. When I was younger, I was, like, a competition violinist, and now I've grown up to the point where, like, I don't really care about music. So this <laughs> is not easy for me to do. Um, that said, I do have three here. Um, so what I'm extending is uh Yo-Yo Ma plays a Neo Morricone. So a Neo Morricone is a very famous um, uh, movie score composer. Um, so, like, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, Gabriel's Oboe, those sorts oh, of songs yeah. in it. And then, and then uh, uh, The Ecstasy of Gold is the one song from, uh, uh Good Bad, the mm-hmm. Good Bad and the Ugly. That um so then, uh, Yo-Yo Ma did an album playing all those songs and it's just fucking awesome. Like, I could listen to it on a loop for, for days. Um, so, that's what I'm extending. I'm gonna promote, um Quadrophenia by The Who because I've always loved that album but it, like, basically hits expectations because it's The Who and, like, they're great. And the one I'm going to trade is the Division Bell by Pink Floyd. So it's one of their later albums. Once Roger Waters, who was their lead guitarist and and really the, I would say the heart and soul of the band, but uh, people other people might disagree with that, um, had left the band due to creative differences. And then they made one album that was okay, and then the Division Bell came out, and it's just kind of bad, depressingly bad. Um, That's the worst. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a giant Pink Floyd fan. I will listen to "Wish You Were Here," both the album and the song, on a loop till the end of time. Uh, "Dark Side of the Moon" is great, obviously. "Wall" is good, but even "Animals" is another great album. But uh "Division Bell" is just no bueno, no bueno.
2: All right, who would like to go next?
3: Um, I could go. All right. Um. I would say the album that reached my expectations was the new Run the Jewel, Run the Jewels album. They're like a political hip hop group that they just their new album came out this year. Very two, two of my albums that I'm picking came out this year, and one came out in 1997. So but, I'm
1: like literally all the albums I said great, great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and they're one of my favorite rap groups, and this has probably so far been my favorite album of the year. Um, They just hit the nail on the head with every song. The production was out of this world. Um, Politically, like, very poignant for what we're talking about today as a political rap group would be. Um, The album that I'm going – that was better than my expectations was Haley Williams' solo album. Um, She's the lead singer of Paramore, and she made a solo album, which is kind of – it's kind of like a pop album. And I was a little worried about it because whenever an artist from a band you like makes a solo album, it's always a little bit of a risk. But it was really good, and I really liked it. Um And the last album, the one that was disappointing, was 1997 Judas Priest's album, Jugulator. <laughs> and this is the reason, because Rob Halford left the band, and it was from a string of them in the 80s being like a premier metal band, and this album is terrible. And it's just like, like in 1990 they made Painkiller, and it was really good, and it's like maybe they could still be relevant with all how music is kind of the genres kind of leaving them behind because they were kind of like one of the early bands in it. And then as it evolved, they kind of stayed to what they were. And then Painkiller really did actually kind of put them – made you think that they could take that next step. And then it took them seven years to make the next album, and it was bad, and it had a new singer. And it was just so. one of those things where it's like, well, maybe that was just like a last hurrah instead of it being like a, oh, maybe they could actually get with the times that – how times are changing around them so yeah those are my three albums old man yells
1: at cloud literally
2: basically chinese democracy before there was yes, Chinese yes yeah it's
3: very similar to something like that where Ugh. oh god that album's so bad is <laughs> chinese democracy a band or an album it's what is that guns and Ro- it's a guns N' roses album okay thank you <laughs> i mean you can make the argument about any guns N' roses album not appetite for destruction to be on the disappointing one but the Chinese democracy is just, like, laughably
1: bad. Much yeah. like the real thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Too real?
2: <laughs> well, good thing that we have no listeners in No, all the, all the bots are going to
1: downvote us on iTunes now. <laughs> this, uh, Xi Jinping's... Winnie the Pooh is going to turn the, his army of bots on us.
2: Oops. <laughs> well, at least we make powerful enemies when we make animations. <laughs> We have enemies in the upper echelon of the Chinese establishment, and we have enemies in the upper echelon of the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, <laughs> Lord. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. Uh, Ken, would you like to go next? Yeah. Um, so for the album that I had high expectations and they met them, uh, I'm going to go with Hamilton, the, uh, the musical soundtrack. A- I could not have been more excited for it, and it was everything I wanted, probably a little more, but, you know, arguably a perfect piece of music. So, um, for the one that was better than I expected is um, an album called A More Perfect Union. Oh, wait, no, I'm definitely getting that wrong. The Monitor by Titus Andronicus. Oh, yes. It's Yeah, it's like a... Um, to explain it. It's like a, a concept album that compares the Civil War to like a, a bad breakup and it, it's just like this
3: weird
4: I'm Civil sorry. War punk what? rock album. Yeah,
3: it's, it's, it's real good though. Like, <laughs> it's really good. It's like it's a production. Huh. Also, New Jersey Legends by the way.
4: Yes. I mean, Sons of the Garden State.
2: <laughs> Slavery would be a good reason to break up with
1: someone. Uh, had a whole war over it, so yes. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, and then the one that didn't live up to expectations was... I really liked uh, Kid Cudi in college. And uh, he followed up Man on the Moon Part 1 with just an album that I was completely disappointed by. Uh, I think yeah. it was Man on the Moon Part 2, uh, The Legend of Mr. Rager, or something like that.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's the subtitle. I can't remember. Total, how total how bummer.
4: The... Yeah, I should have looked that up, but... Yeah,
1: I mean it's so bad you don't remember it. It's like the most damning uh, comic Yeah,
2: <laughs> my promote the album I was as good as I thought it would be is Tools Fear Inoculum. Tools, my favorite band, and they haven't had a CD since like the early to mid 2000s. So for like 15 years, there were rumors that there was going to be a new album, and nothing ever happened. And their lead singer is kind of like eccentric. And has a, a pretty good side business, so there was a legit possibility that they might ever, never actually come out with an, another album, but they did, and it came out in August. And a lot of times, well, you know, you build up expectations that just can't possibly be met, but that's that CD did. Uh, it was like six songs, and, you know, that's the only bad thing, I think, about it, was that it was kind of short. But other than that, it was, like, every single song, like,
3: hit. And especially on a wait like that, because I know yeah. that took forever.
2: Mhm. Um, My Extend, the album that was better than I thought it would be, was Eminem's Music to be Murdered By. It was a kind of surprise album that he just put out in January, and it was surprisingly good. Um, Eminem, since 2000, he's kind of been, like, hit and miss. He's had, like... Two good CDs and, and, and three bad ones or whatever. But this one was like, wow. He's like, still good. <laughs> the main song on it was like, I think, honestly, the best song that he's ever done. Even better than like Stan. Really? Yeah. it's uh, really? dark, Darkness, it's called. It's like just, a, a, it's a very mature content. But like the way that he writes everything, all the lines are like double entendres. So... it's everything he's saying makes sense and you think that you know what he's talking about you know like he's getting ready for a concert and everything and then at the end he just the tone completely changes and the song, song just like shifts directions completely and then all of a sudden all those lines have like separate meanings completely and you're like wow holy shit I did not see that one coming so it's a good song and then the one that I would trade, I completely forgot about uh, Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy. Oh, God. I, I probably would have picked that one.
3: Um, but. With good reason, you forgot. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> but
2: now, don't judge me here, but the album that I'm gonna trade is Lady Gaga. <laughs> Which Born one? This way, Born This Way. Oh, okay. Um, my girlfriend and, and her sister at the time, they were like really big Lady Gaga fans, and that's when she kind of like really blew up big like two thousand eight two thousand and nine, so like I heard a lot of lady gaga at that period of my life, and you, you just know, heard it too much yeah, yeah, and you just you know how it is you you hear things that other people are doing and then either intentionally unintentionally it's like, oh, okay, I guess I like lady Gaga now so I guess I'm man enough. To, I'm man enough to admit that. I guess.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's totally fine. Like was yeah. this, was this during, still during her like I'm gonna dress absolutely insane period? I, or? Yes, that was yeah. like
2: during her meat dress phase, and then <laughs> born... yes, I forgot about the meat dress. <laughs> <laughs> and then Born This Way was like her I'm a Donna phase, and. Yeah, that's, like that's That's a good comment. That count. CD, like, the, her first CD had, like, five or six, like, legit radio hits, and then her second one had, like, one or two good songs. So it was kind of, like, weak as a CD by itself, and then combined with the fact that, like, you know, you're not Madonna, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of a disappointment there. So that is my
1: trade. And I'm just glad all of you had more music knowledge than me.
2: No, you have some classical music knowledge. Oh, but yeah, no, I don't, uh, I, don't of, I
1: don't it's, it's all emptied my brain. It's all gone at this point. Replaced. I have
3: <laughs> roughly 0% uh classical music knowledge. All I know about classical music is that the good the bad and the ugly song.
1: I
2: forget, I already <laughs> forgot what it's called.
1: It's ecstasy of Gold.
2: Ecstasy of Gold, right? That is uh the inspiration for Hangman Adam Page's song. So
1: Is it really? Yeah.
3: Yes. I, didn't, I, I never put two and two together there. I mean, I knew,
1: it, yeah, I knew Marconi was a, a dollar. I'll send you guys the link to the album on YouTube. It's pretty <laughs> pretty great.
2: All right, so let's update our teams in Taiwan, Korea, and Japan now. And the Uni Lions went two and two for the week, and that brings them to 21 and 28, which is good for third place right now. The hitter of the week is Anko Lin. It's the second time that he's been hitter of the week, and he went 12-for-21, three doubles, four homers, 14 RBIs, a walk, and eight strikeouts. So between the four homers that he hit this week and the four homers that he hit last week, he he catapulted himself into second in the league in home runs. And, uh, yeah, between him and his teammate, Chi Chie Su, that is basically one and two in the CPBL in terms of home runs, so... They are certainly hitting.
3: We love hitting dingers, don't we, folks?
2: And the pitcher of the week is Logan Darnell. That's the first time that he's been. Uh, Darnell was originally drafted by the Minnesota Twins in 2010, and he was never a top prospect, but he just kind of worked his way up their system and eventually got a cup of coffee in 2014. He didn't exactly impress, and he was sent back down. And the 24 innings that he pitched are still the only MLB innings that he has on his resume. He's played with the Rays and the Nationals in their minor league systems. He's played for the the Somerset Patriots in the Indies. He's played in Dominican Republic, in Mexico, Venezuela, and now he's in Taiwan. And he's allowed 29 earned runs in 32 innings so far this season. So he hasn't been good, and it remains to be seen how long he's going to stick in Taiwan since we're getting to the point in the season now where teams are releasing uh, foreigners because they signed half-season contracts, which is good and bad, I guess, for both parties. And of note, uh, regarding half-season contracts, Ryan Fierbend, who was basically the best pitcher on the Lions, he uh, was released from his contract because the two parties were unable to come to terms with a second-half contract, so... That sucks.
1: It's an interesting be, mechanic.
3: Yeah, it's very soccer-like.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the NBA has the whole two-week the, the, contract.
3: The, yeah, the ten days and stuff. Hmm.
2: It's it's interesting in that, like you know, it, it definitely is tough to acclimate yourself to a whole different. Yeah, I mean, not just a whole different league, but a whole different culture. So I could see it being kind of a safety net for both the player. And the team but when we have a situation like this where the guy is you know good in producing and just the team doesn't want to pay him as a result so you know it sucks
3: i wonder like where he ends up next because he was legitimately good in that league yeah so.
2: i mean it's, it, it's good timing for him because yeah. the baseball season is like coming back to life here so maybe he finds his way onto a uh
1: a team in the States. Taxi yeah.
2: squad somewhere. Yeah, here.
3: Future Met Ryan
2: Fearbend. I'd be down with that.
1: I mean, it's, something, it's a very Metsian solution to bullpen issues. Rather than actually fixing it, <laughs> Let's throw run. the
2: knuckleballer in there.
1: <laughs> yep, yep.
2: His last two appearances were out of the bullpen, so he is a proven reliever now. Future Mets closer, knuckleballer, <laughs> Ryan Fearbend. That's exactly what you want to do. a
1: knuckleball closer? closer?
2: I would assume no, just because, or, or a guy that only throws knuckleballs. I would assume no, because that's just like asking for bad things to happen. But
3: Phil Necro has big eye closed for a season. Energy. Let me mm. see the. Oh, I was spelling his name wrong. Okay, I'm good. I e k r o. Yeah, I was doing n e i. And I was like, why isn't it coming up? Oh, well, okay, that's... that's <laughs>
1: yeah, I before had... E, except in, like, 30 <laughs> other situations where that's not the case.
3: He, he came out of the bullpen in, like, 150 games in his career. I don't Man. see saves, though. So let me see. He had 29 saves. So, like, kinda. Like, his career high was 9, so it was more like he would just be a guy who came out sometimes to be a closer, but yeah.
1: Rubber arm? You just use him when no one else can go, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
3: probably. It was probably like, oh, <laughs> it's the fourteenth inning and you started two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> but You're fine now.
1: <laughs> All right, I mean, yeah, I- uh, yeah. Guess you don't want a knuckleballer coming. Cut- hey, the the eighth inning guy loaded the bases with one out. Uh, let's bring <laughs> <create> the knuckleballer <laughs> in.
2: No risk there. Exactly. <laughs> Not the best move. Uh, the LG Twins in South Korea now. They started out pretty strong, but their season as a Mets analog team has, you know, they, they've stuck to the script and their season has spiraled out of control. Good,
1: good. <laughs> yes. They went
2: uh, one for five last week. And ah, their yes. one their one win came on Saturday and it snapped a seven game losing streak. So. Ah,
1: yes. <laughs> Very messy. I've, I've seen this movie before
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Because there was a lot of losses That means that the team was not Performing particularly good And therefore our players of the week Were you know eh. So the hitter of the week is Kwon Woo Jung, Who went 8 for 14 with a walk Two strikeouts and a hit by pitch So you know Solid numbers in a vacuum But He's basically just kind of a, a table setter guy. And, you know, that's a, a pretty light hitter of the week line for, you know, as compared to weeks past. Yeah. Uh, it's but a very young, Eric
1: Campbell hitter of the week vibe. Yeah. Now, which exactly. we definitely had with the Mets a couple times.
3: <laughs> Hit a bunch of singles. Good job. You're the best hitter on the team this week. Look, I definitely <laughs> have old texts to a friend that were like, should
1: Eric Campbell be playing more? I, uh, possibly And the answer the, the scary thing is that the answer to that question uh, At plenty of times was yeah probably Because <laughs> <laughs> On this roster yeah I was
3: yeah. like maybe he should be getting more starts Than he is right now <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> He hits the ball hard Lucas What can I say Directly into <laughs> the ground <laughs>
1: Worms hate him. You'll learn one. We learned this one trick to make all the worms hate you. (laughs)
2: Uh, Jiang was drafted by the SK Wyverns in 2015. And his rookie year wasn't that great. But once he finally got his legs under him, he turned into one of the better leadoff hitters in the league. Uh, He regularly hit over 300 and stole, you know, for a stretch there, at least 20 bases for a good four or five year period. So solid player. He signed with the Hanwha Eagles as a free agent in 2014. Uh, He was around 30 by this point, so he started slowing down with the stolen bases, but he kept hitting around 300, and he did add a little more power to his game. So he signed with the Twins this year, and hopefully he keeps that trend up. And overall, he's kind of a, you know, like I was saying, it's kind of a boring-ish kind of guy for Hit of the Week, but I did find that he he uses the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack for his walk-up music, so that's a <laughs> oh, bold okay. choice.
1: yeah, I'm sold. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the pitcher of the week uh, for the second time now is Chan Hyung Jung, and he threw a complete game shutout against the Wifferns. He allowed three hits, so he walked two and struck out six, so we need more performances like that.
1: Very, also very Metsian in that like decent pitching, zero offense. Summertime mm-hmm. Mets, oh yeah. Catch the fever.
3: <sighs> well, no, but you not can't even say client. that. Now <laughs> That's true. That's true. Actually, never mind. I take that back.
1: <laughs> your best not to catch the fever, folks. Uh, wear your mask. Stay inside. <laughs> Please social distance. Do not listen to
3: my dumb joke. <laughs> I beg of you, don't catch the fever. <laughs>
2: Uh, finally, the Yakult Swallows, they went 3-3 three and three this week and are 4-4 four four in the year. Hitter of the week for the second week in a row now is Tetsuo Yamada, a.k.a. Japanese Mike Trout. He went 6-24 for 24 with two homers, six RBI, a walk, eight strikeouts, and a stolen base. So he's up to four homers and two stolen bases in eight games so far. So he is, you know, looks like he's uh, on his way to another 30-30 season if he keeps it up. Love it. And pitcher of the week is Hiratoshi Takanashi, and he pitched seven scoreless innings. He gave up three hits, he walked two, and he struck out five. Uh, Takanashi, he was drafted by the Nippon Ham Fighters in the 2013 draft. Uh, he was their fourth-round pick, and he spent a couple of years in the minors before he was brought up in 2015, and he won the Pacific League Rookie of the Year Award. He had a 2.38 ERA in 109 innings as a starter and a reliever, but he was never really able to regain those heights. You know, periodically he pitched all right, but basically he was just kind of shuttling up and down from the minors to the majors, and in December 2018, he was traded to the Swallows, and his season last year was more or less the same. He spent some time in the minor league system and time on the major league roster. Uh, stuff is about average, so unless he magically develops more velocity or he perfects one of his, his off-speed pitches with the Swallows coaching staff, probably going to be more of the same for him in the future. His um, fastball hovers around 90, tops set around 92, 93. And then he complements it with a, a 12-6 curve, a forkball, and a slider. So maybe the change of scenery will help him. You know, this is his first year. Um. You know. Excuse me. He's only been on the team for a year now, so maybe uh, he'll get settled and become good like he was in his rookie year this season. That would be nice.
3: Yeah. They, they they would need it.
2: Yeah, pitching is. Uh, yeah,
3: the pitching is a the problem. There's only so much
2: Gabriel know can do. Yeah. Okay, round two.
0: Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry. Ooh, a book
0: club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumba by law 18 plus conditions apply website for details it is Ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
2: Well, uh, we'll get to the Mets now, finally, 20 minutes into our Mets podcast. But <laughs> they finally signed uh, Pete Carroll Armstrong a couple of days ago. They signed him for slot value, which was basically $3.4 million. And they already signed Isaiah Green for 850000 which was 79800 under slot. I'm a they little already... surprised he got under
1: slot. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I expected him to be an over slot guy. Me obviously. too.
2: Agreed. Uh, they signed Anthony Walters for 20000 which is basically $630,000 under slot. They signed Matthew Dyer for $350,000, which is about $140,000 under slot. And they signed Eric Orrs for 20000 which was basically $340,000 under slot. So everything combined, that means that they have about a million dollars to go over slot for JT Ginn. And the slot value for him is 1.4 million. So that means the Mets can go to about 2.5 without any problems, without having to even reach into the little 5% extra that they're allowed. Uh, according to reports from 2018, he turned down the Dodgers when they offered him 2.4. So he, Assuming that the Mets offer him, you know, the 2.5 that they can go to, he's basically back to where he was when he was drafted out of high school. And with everything going on, I would assume that he, he takes the money that the Mets offer and sign with them because, you know.
1: I mean, he, dude, dude's got Tommy John. Mine yeah. Yeah. The are in a state of flux. I cannot imagine he turns. I mean, you would need like balls of steel to turn that down. Yeah, yeah for like, sure.
2: He bet on himself the first time rejecting L.A., and things kind of worked out, even though he did get hurt, because of, putting in lightly, circumstances beyond his control. So, if he bet on himself again and rejected this offer, that goes from bold to just stupid, because, I don't
1: know. And Tommy John recovery isn't perfect. Like, Yeah. Who, who,
3: who knows where he ends up next, like, if he's a second-round pick. Or a third-round pick next year, first-round pick. Who knows? It's impossible to tell. But mm-hmm. right now, he's getting the money that he turned down. So yep. it's not like he's getting shortchanged either.
4: Take the and money we'll and run.
3: Yep, yep, yep. He was working so, out with Mangum on Instagram Live, so I hope that's a good sign yeah, for, for his teammates. yeah future future sign. Um, Jake Magnum. Me- oh, mango. Oh, oh I heard
1: Mango. I'm like Yeah.
3: Man. No 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 no. Yeah. Um, the Mango Man. <laughs> the Mango Man, yeah. They who they were working is, out together on Instagram. Uh, like who on, is, they were uh, together. Who was
2: teaching who had a hit?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, Hopefully that's a good sign for his future um yeah. signing if he's working out with Mets people. Even though they were teammates, like still. Is a good point, but I'm gonna let's all we're all gonna assume that Gin, that
2: Gin signs because he would be crazy not to. So basically, that means all five, all six guys that the Mets drafted, they are all part of the system now. So if there's anything we all love, it's it's ordinal lists. So oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah, in a way, coronavirus has kind of made it a little easier to to rerank the system with these newly drafted guys because there hasn't been a system so nobody's improved and nobody's gotten worse um there weren't any stories when spring training was actually happening about like ronnie mauricio suddenly putting on 30 pounds of muscle and and turning to the rock so it's safe to say that everything is the same pretty much for everybody so i mean that makes things easier but on the other hand coronavirus definitely does complicate things um when, when, when it comes to ranking players, a guy like Brett Beatty, he doesn't have a season, and now he's going into twenty twenty one as a twenty one year old with no experience above rookie ball. Yeah. Uh, a guy tough. like yeah, a guy like Deniel Nunez, who's you know kind of fringy to begin with. Um, he had like one season where his fastball and curveball were flashing above average in A ball. Now he's going to be a twenty five year old reliever with not much of a track record. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. think on the
3: How surface. About Sipucky? Sipucky, Sipucky. I was, I was Sipucky. just about to say, "Sapaki yeah.
2: too." Tell me, Sapaki. Like you think on the surface, okay, players aren't changing, so that makes things easier. But yeah, the players aren't changing, but the context surrounding everything else is changing, so it, yeah. you know, is not easier. No. So we are all going to. Rerank the the system and insert the players and explain where we think they all belong. Just as a quick refresher, um, this is the 2020 official Amazing Avenue Top 25 list. Number one, Ronnie Mauricio. Number two, Andres Jimenez. Number three, Matthew Allen. Number four, Brett Beatty. Number five, Mark Vientos. Number six, Francisco Alvarez. Number seven, David Peterson. Number eight, Thomas Zapucki. Number 9, Franklin Kilome. 10, Shervian Newton. Number 11, Joshua Wolf, Number 12, Kevin Smith. Number 13, Harold Gonzalez. Number 14, Junior Santos. Number 15, Freddy Valdez. Number 16, Jalen Palmer. Number 17, Tony DeBrell. Number 18, Dyson Acosta. Number 19, Riley Gilliam. Number 20, Adrian Hernandez. Number 21, Daniel Nunez. Number 22, Stanley Consuegra. Number 23, Ali Sanchez. Number 24, Jake Mangum. And number 25, Alexander Ramirez.
1: I actually forgot uh. that Mangum was in the top 25, holy fuck.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, the system is seeing better days. So, we all had individual lists. So we'll you know we'll we'll use our own individual lists since everything makes sense in the context of our own explanations or whatever. So where are you guys going to slot in all these new players? Does anyone would like to? Uh, should, we, should we
1: should we start with Green because he's probably the easiest one to place here? Like to me, you just kind of lump him in with the DSL high school outfielders too, and just say yeah, Toolsy young outfield type do things.
2: Agreed. In in my own list I didn't rank any of those guys, so as a result I did not rank Green either because the profile for him basically is Jake Mangum with less experience. Um there's more you power know. there. I so, think
4: he's more athletic too. No. Um mm. I guess I would put him around where I put Freddie Valdez around twelve.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd put him. Yeah, me, probably me,
4: after the upside pitchers, Wolf and Santos. I had yep. at ten and eleven, but yep. before Valdez at twelve. So yeah, twelve.
1: You'd put him above Valdez. I was actually going to say below because like Valdez at least has professional experience. Like,
4: yeah, he's got two games stateside or something like that.
1: that that's a fair that, point. Of course, I don't think
4: that's particularly significant. It's probably more
1: experienced than Green. Well, I'm saying that uh, even the DSL games are probably more useful than high school games, yeah. Or I, that...
4: I, uh, mm. I, I don't put much stock in the. DSL. Yeah, I
1: don't. Especially it might be statistics. Even.
4: They they play pretty
1: much all year round. Oh no, you know, I'm not. Like, I'm, not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying for. I'm not saying.
4: level they, of competition.
1: Level of competition, I would, also how much you're putting into baseball, right? Like, yeah, you I would about how it's problematic that they only do baseball. But he's Valdez is basically only doing baseball. Green's doing other stuff.
2: And it's professional coaching, whereas high right. schools, that's,
3: you know. That's the biggest thing, I think, outside yeah, that, of the that's competition or saying. anything. Yeah. Is like, right. Green's high school coach is probably worse than <laughs> than the than the professional coach on the I Metro. Mean, I'd also I would, say for certain, um, I'd
4: I mean, give I can't Green a broader base with. of skills than Valdez. I
3: agree then. with that, too.
4: Yeah, that's fair. I think he's got potential to stay up the middle. Valdez never did. No,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> they're,
4: they're lottery tickets in different ways.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is in our, our joke about ordinal rankings really applies perfectly here because it, it flip a coin.
4: We know nothing about either of these guys. Really.
3: Right.
1: Yeah, no. it's too early
3: to tell. All right. <clears throat> but I think that's a fair place for green as well Um, in that, in that chunk. Mm. I think he might have a little more upside, but in that chunk is a good spot for him.
2: Yeah, definitely, there's a lot of guys in that chunk. Uh, oh there's, yeah, there's him, Alexander Ramirez, Freddy Valdez, uh, Consuegra, Adrian Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. Robert yeah. Dominguez, the pitcher. Like you know,
3: totally and I, I don't mind having that many of those types of guys, like those lottery ticket types of guys, but I, it would be nice to have more surefire talent at the top to Absolutely. balance it out. Yeah.
2: That is the problem with the system. Is that yeah. every system should have a boatload of lottery ticket guys like this that maybe one or two you hit on, but when guys like that are
1: um, surprisingly top, high top ten lists,
2: yeah. yeah, like when when that's the situation, then then it starts to uh, become a little hairy.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: All right. Um I guess I'll just get this out of the way here. Did anybody rank Anthony Walters, Matthew Dyer, or no. Eric Ors? No. No. Okay.
1: I'd rank Orr's near the top yeah. of the system in terms of guys I want to see succeed, but realistically like,
3: I think Ors also has the biggest chance of actually being like a reliever in the majors than I agree with any of the other guys being like a utility player. I think yeah. Ors has the best chance of if we get a surprise out of this draft because i don't think it would be a surprise if one of green gin or pca make it even if green is on the lower is, is on the lower end there i don't think we'd be shocked but i think ors is the biggest surprise candidate out of any of them because of like he could excel in a bull, in, in a bullpen role because it's just sometimes that
1: happens he also might you know get better when he you know doesn't yep. have cancer
3: yeah literally like <laughs> Like, Most
4: people usually do.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. So
3: he he's a dude that I'm keeping an eye on both for the off the field I'm rooting for him and the on the field, like I think he has an actual outside chance to be a reliever. Yeah. But right. I'm not putting him on my top twenty five. And if I do it's like twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Alright, so uh we'll look at Gin then. Where did you put Ginn?
1: Oh, Gin is so hard. I don't know I what know. to do with him.
3: I think he's, for my money, the second best pitching prospect behind Allen right now.
4: But, yeah, I'd agree with that.
3: I I, want I think to, what's yeah. more
4: interesting is um, where he would be if not for Tommy John. If not for Tommy John, he would I, be he he might, be, he might be second or third. <laughs> he
3: he might be, yeah, higher than Allen. I,
4: I would put him, yeah. I put them like definitely older. close, but yeah. you know, he's older. He has you know, the SEC's probably closer to like A-ball A ball or advanced A.
3: Yeah. Then he has the high one
4: very good season at that level. Uh yeah. But we live in a world in which he blew out his elbow. So
1: <laughs> I, I've really gone <laughs> back I, I've really gone back and forth between putting him right above Peterson and right below Peterson. Um just based on how much you value that health. I think I agree with you guys that he should be above Peterson. Um, But then the Mets have just had so many bad Tommy John recoveries the last decade or so. Like, I don't know. It's scary. It's scary, but also I don't think we have
3: this conversation about Ginn if... He doesn't have Tommy John. No, No, you're totally right. He he would
2: have been drafted at like six or seven or something.
3: The the, the only reason why we're able to rank him behind Matthew Allen is because he got hurt. Like, so it's one of those things where it sucks that, like, it sucks for him. I'm not exactly, I'm not happy he got hurt, obviously, but he wouldn't be a Met otherwise. Like, straight up. No, you're Mm -hmm. right. He wouldn't have even lasted to PCA's pick. I think. Oh no,
1: he would let like out, he would have been like around 10ish.
3: Yeah, let alone the second
1: round. I mean, the only the only three guys I think I would definitely take over him right now. Uh, four guys, excuse me, would be uh, Allen, Jimenez, Mauricio, and Alvarez. And then I think I know I'm deviating from my original top 25. I don't even remember what I put at this point. But like after that, I think it's it's he's. You got an easy argument for him in fifths, I think. Over yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you can fair. make
3: that case as well.
2: And now the last, but certainly not least, is P. Carl Armstrong. Yeah, this is going to be interesting.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: So I, I think I know where I'd put him. Um, I'd probably put him. I had Mauricio Jimenez, Alan Alvarez as my top four. Um,
1: yeah. Between you, and
4: me, and the wall, I'd probably move Alvarez into the three spot and Allen back. But uh, whatever, that's neither here nor there. I'd probably put PCA and Gin right after Alvarez before Batty and Vientos.
3: I <laughs> would put. I would do that too. I would put PCA above Batty. I, Batty. Don't, mm. I don't. I think do his. This. I think he has a safer chance of being a major league player because if the bat doesn't work for Beatty, then he's not gonna. Like, he just doesn't have a place to play defense.
4: Like, I I think... I'm I'm probably not as low on Batty as a lot of people. But, um...
3: We still don't know if he can hit. We still don't know
4: if he can hit at all.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) The power is pretty clearly there. I'm intrigued by the on-base ability so far. But he's going to have to hit a lot, and he hasn't yet. So... Neither it's also PCA, but PCA is also significantly younger.
3: Yeah, and not really – he's losing a year, but I don't think – I don't know if it's as important as a year that he's no, losing. Definitely not. Like if, if – he he's not going to play at all this year because of the minors, but if there is minor league baseball next year, it's not really the worst thing. But, man, it's a big year for yeah, you, Batty to lose. Exactly. Um it, and it could look him. dumb.
4: It could look dumb in a year,
3: you know? Oh, I mean, this is all, like, like who knows?
4: <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this as, like, we don't know what, you know, you you could say all you want that, you know, certain players are going to be hurt by this more than others. This is a crapshoot for everyone.
3: This is <laughs> like taking an
4: entire year of baseball.
3: Like, this is taking the crapshoot of scouting minor league players and then adding a pandemic that of, of the <laughs> likes of which we've never seen before. So <laughs> it's like... Well, I don't really know how to judge it. It sounds like a cop-out, but truly don't really know how to to, Mm -hmm. – how I'm supposed to, like, figure out where to put these guys losing a year and taking that into consideration and all that stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. I think you could put – I think he might be – I think you could put him behind – right behind Alan and Gin and call it a day or ahead of Gin. It depends on what you think about Gin's arm and his health. But –
1: I guess I really yeah. well I know I usually go first Steve you you should go before me here
3: oh are you sure because
1: you're yes. too pessimistic yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm
2: pretty pessimistic too uh my my I... my here's my new list no
1: uh-huh.
2: one Marnie I didn't change anything else I just left it as it was and then added the new guys but
3: yeah
2: Ronnie Mauricio one Francisco Alvarez two Matthew Allen three Andres Jimenez four Mark Vientos five Brett Beatty six, Thomas the Pucky, seven, David Peterson eight, Pico Armstrong nine.
3: I'm surprised you're that low on him.
2: It is.
3: Just... I
2: I think that I'm high on him really because, like compared to Isaiah Green, him the two of them are very okay. similar in terms of like everything. But PCA has the the track record of being. You know, attending a much better high school, a much more baseball-oriented high school, being on the national team for so many years, he has a a longer track record than other guys in that kind of vein. And that's why why he's even in the top 10 for me, because at least he has that track record of everything, because, I don't know, the profile is just kind of all right to me right now, but... eh.
1: I, I might be even lower than that. No. I don't know. Uh, I, the more, the more I look at, you know, I, I know, I'm, I'm at the risk of starting another Twitter beef here, aren't I? <laughs> I I'm gonna get some <laughs> mentions again.
2: He's, he's an enlightened being, PCA, so he'll just
1: let it roll off of him. Ah, uh, uh, there it is. I, I don't know, I just don't, I don't. Julie, really not my cup of tea like I just don't I don't get the appeal of of a of a what should be an upside play with this skill set um just doesn't really do it for me uh and like I don't want to go so far as to put him down with all the other outfielders that we mentioned when we we're talking about Green because he's clearly better than them like he's got a better chance to make it than them but like I mean, look, like the position being a position player in the mo- in modern baseball is dominated by your ability to produce offensively, and I have much more confidence in. I mean, there are absolutely questions about Beatty's bat and Vientos' bat, and they obviously don't have the defensive fallback that that uh, uh, PCA does. But I just think they have a better chance to hit them than 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 he does, and I don't. Mm-hmm.
2: Vientos is the most advanced just by virtue of age and level and everything like that Beatty yeah, has the most upside in terms of that although Vientos I think has surprising power and, and and might grow into some surprising power but yeah I mean then Peter Armstrong it's kind of like uh, it's like uh, passive tools almost you know, being a, a good hitter nowadays is is great and swell, but it's just not as exciting as as the upside guys.
1: I yeah, I, I'm look, I'm probably too low because I have I'm just gotta, I'm, I want I want upside in, in my guys usually, but I don't know, I just I, I I have him like. Back end of the top 10. I really did struggle with this too because I think, uh, Ken and Tom, you both, Thomas, you both raised like really good points about the high school track record, the solid defensive fallback, how old Beatty is, how bad Vientos looked the last season and a half or so, or I guess just last season really. Um,
3: Yeah, it was just last
1: year. Yeah, just (laughs) last year, right? Um,
2: like I said, like I, I said with, with Green, the same thing could apply to Pico Armstrong. He could just be Jake Mangum, but a little younger. I don't think that's his ultimate fate, but it could be, and that's...
3: I, hmm. I think they're both better hitters than that, even. Yeah,
2: I mean, Mangum is kind of a slash hitter, which is kind of weird, but
1: doesn't no, have the, the physique. Mangum literally has a hitting style straight out of the 1940s, but... yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like ultimate, I, I think my, my the ultimate problem here is that like I'm not a professional scout, and I'm not even as good a visual scout as you as you three are for sure. Like that's not my whole shtick. Um, and, and given that, when I just consider the fact that okay, we've got two high school outfielders, and one of them is supposedly has more upside, but hasn't really shown that ability to hit so much. So so what? How big? What's the delta between them really? Like, how big is that split in reality? And I don't – there's not a ton of evidence that I am super invested in at this point that really conveys to me ha- that PCA is three tiers above green, I guess is the way to phrase that, um, even though he probably is from, from an actual, like, scouting perspective, Um I did have another so so while I was wrestling with this, and I did spend a lot of time staring into a blank void trying to
4: <laughs> come up with
1: a good answer to this question.
4: I do that often
1: yeah, I mean that that's the best way to 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 solve life's issues, you know, don't confront them, just stare at a wall until you can handle it um uh so let's say the Mets have done something different and taken uh oh, I don't know uh, uh Mitchell with that pick uh, C rank in the top I- ten.
3: I'm shocked that this is being brought up. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, honestly, he might he might rank one. I'd
3: just put him at one. I would still put him behind Mauricio. Fair. Just, just, I don't know, like, it's hard for me to just take the brand new player and be, like, best prospect in the system unless it's, like, Bryce Harper. You know I, what I mean? Right, like, right. Like I that's also just...
4: think a lot of people were split on how good Mitchell was going to be. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I would probably hedge a little bit there and put him behind Alvarez.
3: I would too. I, I think that's I might put him in. I'd
4: put him in more or less the same spot that yeah. I had PCA in. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it feels like a <laughs> I, think, I, think I think they're relatively man, similar but... players, just ones a lot farther along.
1: See, that's, this is this is the pretty interesting, interesting. Point. Yeah, this is the interesting t- point to me, right? Like, if they're both the same caliber of player, I, it's the same argument I already made. Why the hell are you taking the one that's four years further away for the or three? Further away! Like, I, I, that, that's the part that really frustrates me here because I would so readily agree to say, yeah, yeah Mitchell's slots right there at the back of that top five, uh, and we could quibble about whether he's higher, higher. And I just don't get that with PCA. You, you know what's guess- funny? The, you
2: could
3: easily
2: thought. make. Go ahead. Uh, I guess the thought process is that he already has the the premium center field defense, and they could just build a better hitter.
3: That's what I was gonna say. Like, you could very easily make the argument the other way. Like, why the hell would you take the older player when you could get the younger player and kind of mold him along in a different way? And Do you, you just already? Want have, already... Like, I know. I, I I'm just saying. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. where I fall on that. Like, personally, in my philosophy, like, I don't. If, if if I had the choice of two like identical players and one was 18 and one was 21, I don't know. I think that's too simplistic. I think there's a lot more that goes into it than Absolutely. just take the older player. So I don't know where I would land on that if I had to make the choice that the Mets made in this draft. Like I don't, I don't know if, how I would look at it.
1: I mean, I'm also of the mind that... It- they're not the same player, just three years apart. I think Mitchell has better skills, but that's a whole different discussion. So, I mean, look, look that's not that's not the ultimate point of that. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My, the No, oh, yeah, my end, my end goal is to point out that like I I just have doubts about PCA and
2: has Mitchell has Mitchell signed yet?
1: Don't know. Hmm.
2: Uh, let's see. And that, that could gonna, play I'll into it here. too. I'm um, I'm assuming that they knew that Ginn was not going to be drafted as early as expected, so. And if they already had a slot agreement with PCA, and were yeah. able to then, you know, finagle everything to also have Gin, then that would also impact selecting, the, you know, the two of those guys,
1: Gin. Oh, excuse me, PCA and Mitchell. You're you're totally right. Let's see. Uh, still unsigned as of two days ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that 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 is a good point. And of course, you know Mitchell isn't a CAA client, so <laughs>
4: just had Hashtag to, had to mention me. that
1: <laughs> Put the tinfoil hat on for a moment, <laughs> folks. Yeah,
2: but yeah, um, it was definitely not easy. And no, it's it's tough. Not who who knows what this year is going to be in terms of minor league baseball, or, or in terms of minor league players and how they develop. I mean. Uh, If there is an Arizona Fall League, it's like, wow, the Arizona Fall League is going to be really important this year. Are
1: we going to see, like, historically low levels of offense in the AFL because the pitchers aren't just totally gassed?
4: (laughs) They're still hitting on the face of the moon, though.
1: That's true. That's true. true. (laughs)
2: It will will be an interesting season, to say the least. All right. uh, Any last words for the week? Besides, do not catch the fever. Do not catch the fever.
1: Please. <laughs> catch the mask fever. Yes, no, that's masks. a terrible slogan. Back to the marketing department with that one.
2: Uh, all right. If anyone has any questions, <clears throat> questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complextoqueens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at El 343 Ken is at KenLevin91. And Thomas is at Sad Mets Season, SZN. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week, and until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.